Welcome back to the Ideas Club's podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed our last episode on Black History Month, our special edition panel discussion. This podcast is also a special edition for Women's Week. We have partnered up with the Feminist Initiative of JFK to produce a panel consisting of six young women who talk about their experience of being a young woman at JFK in Berlin and reflecting on feminism. Hope you enjoy. Good afternoon, I'm Daniel Lazar. Uh, it's my pleasure, it's my privilege to serve as the faculty advisor to the JFK Ideas Club. Uh, I'll be moderating the panel today on behalf of the Ideas Club and uh, with respect to Ms. Cup and the members of the Feminist Initiative. The Feminist Initiative was founded in 2017 um, to address feminist issues through action, through daily purpose-driven action. Uh, today's Feminist Initiative action is to give young women a chance to share their stories and their perspectives. Uh, the IDEAS organization was born out of the idea that in our times of crisis, in our age of anxiety, when democracy is fragile, when intolerance is increasingly tolerated, we have to intensify our effort to create a space, a safe space, but a challenging space to discuss ideas and to celebrate diversity. Uh, organized by Clara and Lindemann, Ms. Cup, and myself, today's panel speaks perfectly to the intersection of the core missions of ideas and the feminist initiative. For today, we're going to grapple with the experiences of being a young woman at the Kennedy School and in the broader Berlin landscape. Uh, we have no real agenda other than to try to shed whatever light we can so let's get to the first question. Um, there's some controversy in our school, as well as in the broader society, about International Women's Day. I ask the panelists in turn, how do, how do you guys feel about this new holiday, International Women's Day? Well, I was originally a little bit skeptical at first. I think it is a good thing um, in the long run, just because I think Women's Day used to be something to celebrate women, and I feel like now it's turned into something to fight for equal rights, and that's something I'll stand behind. And I think it's a good um, day to have to kind of create awareness about the issue um, and the history behind the day and behind the issue of um, feminism and what that means to us as women and to men. Um, and yeah, I think it's a good thing, and I'm happy that we're enacting it. Um, I think the controversy that, or the misconceptions that I had experienced um, didn't center around the fact that it was made a holiday, but more generally about celebrating International Women's Day. Um, as you addressed, there seems to be this um, notion or this idea that it's about celebrating women. Um, often women are given red roses, and I feel like that isn't the right way to approach the day. It should be about raising awareness, about going out to protest, about um, informing individuals about the lack of gender parity we have in the world. Um, and often I'm asked, well, why isn't there an International Men's Day? I think that's kind of besides the point. Um, there is actually an International Men's Day. It's about um, promoting men as positive role models, which I think is great. Um, but it's, it's kind of similar to the idea of, um, well, having criticizing Black Lives Matter and saying, 
well, don't all lives matter? Yes, but that's beside the point because you need to address the issues um, that exist. And I think in this case, it's that uh, women don't actually have the same rights as men. Um, I think International Women's Day is really good for younger girls because I think younger people don't really know or aren't aware of the controversy surrounding the holiday. So for them, it just is solely a good thing. And I think that's a, one of the positive aspects of it. Yeah, in addition to it being good for younger girls, um, my mom was really excited to wish my grandma a happy International Women's Day um, because I think to my grandma probably means something else. Like that, there is true achievement. You see the strides that women have made um, through, you know, since the 1930s when my grandma was born. But I think that it also gives a sense of achievement to women. And although yes, to my grandma it does, to the women of today, I think there's still much to be done, and it, that's why I think it's sort of a phony holiday. I think pretty much everything has been said, but I think additionally having a holiday, so also freeing women up to really have the opportunity to protest, to have the opportunity to really think about it, and just to embrace the opportunity to think about the reason we still have this holiday. What I think has been interesting about this whole idea of making International Women's Day a holiday in Berlin is that we've actually, the discussion has come up whether or not it's a good thing that it's been made a holiday. And through that discussion, through that discussion on radio and TV and at our school, it has become so much more of, of the center of the focus around this holiday instead of, um, yeah, that it's just about the people who actually already are engaged in these ideas and already going to protest, but now it's actually including and involving a lot more people who might have not heard about it or thought about it in the same way that they did before. So the Ideas Group surveyed 143 students in grades 10 through 12. Uh, the sample is pretty evenly spread among the three grades and among uh, male and female students. Our survey found that 57% of grades 10 through 12 students, 57% identify as feminists. Um, are you a feminist and do you think that everybody should be? I would call myself a feminist. Um, I've always, I guess, fought for also my, my right to be a leader and be engaged in civic activities no matter what kind of area that is. My two majors in school are two sciences and um, to me, I don't think anyone should not identify as a feminist. The only controversy that I've seen around it um, has been brought up by, by other people surrounding me about the fact that feminism only fights for women and feminism has this kind of bad, I guess, um, bad notion to, to it because it isn't as inclusive as maybe some people see it. But um, as anything, as any movement that challenges ideas and norms that have been such a part of Western culture for a really long time, it's gonna have some controversy to it. But I definitely think that feminism fights for, for the rights of both men and women and also people who might not identify as either of those genders, so um, yeah. I absolutely do identify as a feminist. Um, I think that there has been issues with the movement and that intersectionality needs to be increased, but I do still believe that everyone should be a feminist and we can improve the movement together, we can expand the movement together, but I think the core value is definitely one worth sharing.
Yeah, um, I definitely am a feminist as well. I think if you can kind of take away from feminist being an insult and kind of embrace it as a label working towards something good, um, I would hope that that can happen more. Uh, and I mean, not everybody is going to be a feminist. I think there are people that can't relate to that, and that's unfortunate. But those that are just um, ignorant or don't know what it means to be a feminist, I would hope that they can kind of educate themselves and realize that it's something to be proud of, um, and hopefully that would spread. Can I push into that? There are people in this room who fancy themselves educated, and you're telling they, they should educate themselves. There are people in this room, in particular there are men in this room, who don't identify as feminists. What, what do you guys have to say to men who don't and maybe won't identify as such? Um, well, I think it's actually not about the word, but I think that rejecting the term is symptomatic of the general perception of feminism. Why should there be so much opposition to just a word that is like any other in the dictionary? Um, in the end, it's about what you do for gender equality um, and maybe have a look at a dictionary, look up the word feminist. Um, it's not usually defined as just fighting for women's rights. Um, there, there, I listened to an interesting podcast where it was said that maybe a mistake in the past has been that feminists were trying to be too inclusive, and now um, some conservative individuals who are against um, freedom of choice, so freedom to abort, um, are identifying as feminists or using feminist language to appeal to um, more women in light of the um, post hashtag me too era. I think that's a really interesting point, but in the end, um, I think that if you stand for gender equality, you should identify as a feminist. Um, I think saying that men who don't identify as feminists don't identify as feminists because of ignorance is um, kind of a generalization, and I think some men don't identify as feminists because they genuinely don't see women as equal. I think when it comes to feminism, if you you don't necessarily need to be a feminist to stand up for, for to stand up for women and men when someone is being sexist, um, and to generally just fight for equality or advocate for it. And I'll go to these protests and I'll partake in like the I am a feminist um, chants, but that's not to say I think I've actively sought out checking off the boxes which make me a feminist. Um, I think again, I just if you're open-minded and you're fighting for what is right, then you are a feminist. And by identifying as that, you don't need to, because I think the concept of being a feminist, it sort of makes in-groups and out-groups, where it's us versus them. And I think if that were you know, abolished, then it would just be fighting for equality. And to fight for equality, you need to fight for women's rights. You guys have uh, brought up naturally in a discussion like this, sexism a couple of times. Uh, according to our survey of the student body, when sexism is defined as prejudice, stereotyping, or discrimination on the basis of sex, 90% of students in grades 10 through 12 sometimes or frequently, sometimes or frequently hear JFK students make sexist comments or jokes. So what are, what are our expectations and where, where do we draw our lines when it comes to these types of so-called jokes? I mean, I think with anything, it really just depends on the context of the joke, of the joke, and if it's meant as serious or if it's meant as, you know, really is a joke. Um, and I think that depends on where you are. Like, in school, 
I think we're getting past the point where someone telling a sexist joke is legitimate grounds to believe that women should be, that there's a stereotype behind it and that women should be thought less of. Um, and I also think it's very independent how you perceive it. If I hear a sexist, sexist joke, I don't take it seriously and maybe I'll even laugh along. And I don't think the right move is to like take the humor out of everything because I think that makes everything a bit more of a taboo. Um, I think I'm kind of a hypocrite for saying this because me with my friends, like we make sexist jokes all the time. Also with my like guy friends and girlfriends. But I think that sexist jokes kind of normalize the idea of sexism. Um, but that's not to say that all sexist jokes are that terrible. But I think especially in the media, um, they have way worse of an effect than in private conversation. Because like, if you're a small child and you see like sexist jokes, you don't even perceive them as sexist. You just perceive them as true. Because if you're young, you like that's not a distinction that you can make. I agree with everything that's been said but I do have an exception. I think when you're joking about sexual harassment or rape, there is definitely a line, just don't do it. Because you can never be too careful. You never know um, what a woman or a man um, has been through. And if you are making those jokes, they can really affect the person and bring back a lot of unwanted memories. And it is a very personal struggle. Um, so respect that and be aware um, that that isn't a laughing matter. Okay, so I personally have struggled with this, and like the others, I do partake in some of these jokes, but I have asked myself to what level this is an internalization of the culture or how much we're just propagating a culture that makes light of the issues women face. So while I don't think we should move towards a humorless society, I think we need to make sure that we're thinking about where the root of these problems are, that we need to have conversations if we feel there is real cause for concern of what nature these jokes have. I agree with everything that's been said so far. The only thing that I can add is that um, the person making the joke, uh, the context of it has a lot to do with how people perceive it and also whether or not, I guess you can say it's right for that person to make a joke or they have the legitimacy. So for example, um, it's, I think it's more acceptable for women to make jokes about, uh, to make kind of like sexist jokes because in, in that sense, it's them laughing off or trying to deal with the things that they've been confronted with. But for people to make the jokes who maybe are in the situation of actually um, of hurting someone with it, uh, that I think is where you kind of have to draw the line. But again, it's kind of a difficult topic and the best thing that you can do about it is actually discuss it with the people around you and if you're making those kind of jokes, I guess know who you're talking to and know who you're addressing and if that's gonna have a hurtful effect, then you shouldn't be doing it. So I'd like to remind the audience that we will have some Q&A coming up, so please consider the questions you might wanna ask the panel. Um, I want to refer back to some of the data that we've collected and get your opinion on it. Our data claims, and I'm going to drop three data points. Only 60% of students believe that boys and girls have equal opportunities uh, for academic success at JFK. 75% of us believe that JFK provides equal opportunity for boys and girls to succeed academically. 
57% believe that girls behave more appropriately than, sorry, that girls behave more appropriately than boys. Only 2% believe that boys behave more appropriately than girls. Um, can you guys, with bearing in mind that data and all of your experiences, walk us through the gender dynamics of the JFK classroom. And before you do, if I could just um, remind you guys that all of the whispering that happens in the audience gets picked up and it's, well, let's say unwelcome. So walk us through the gender dynamics uh, in the JFK classroom. Personally, I've never really experienced any negative connotations with gender in the classroom except for one experience in eighth grade when a teacher told me I should smile and I shouldn't frown all the time. And he never said this to any of the guys in my class. Um, and he said it in front of the whole class, so I felt embarrassed at first and then angry. But I didn't say anything, um, of course, or not of course, but I didn't. And I think that um, generally at JFK, teachers are quite objective. Maybe even, I, I'd maybe even say that girls have a, more of an advantage just because of the stereotypes surrounding them um, and the idea that they are more mature at an earlier age uh, and maybe taken more seriously. Um, I wouldn't say to a large extent, but I could see how one could make that argument. I also think that um, JFKS provides a pretty equal um, or a pretty good environment for um, individuals or students of all genders to succeed. But I do think that um, the curriculum is not entirely addressing the issues it should be, um, whether it be a lack of information in the sex ed class, um, for instance, around consent, but I think we'll um, talk about that a bit later, um, or whether it be that we rarely ever read any works written by women in German class, and we never even address it, um, or we've never even learned about women's rights in my German history class. I think that those areas are lacking, and they might actually affect the way in which students perceive the world and um, maybe contribute to them believing that actually there is no more gender inequality. I definitely agree with what's been said that there is kind of a lack of education around these kind of topics and this is why I'm so uh, grateful that we were having this discussion and that we've been talking about it more and that the Ideas Club and Feminist Initiative has brought this more into the foreground. Um, I do think that at JFKS, um, the classroom does not just define your, your degree of success and your degree of what you can contribute to the community. Um, there are so many great clubs and uh, kind of programs at the school that facilitate leadership for and I, for both genders and um, in for example I've been a, a, yeah I've taken part in the MUN program at our school for a really long time and it's been amazing to see uh, the student leadership team that plays such a, a great role in facilitating the conferences and the program be led by some incredible women and to have that kind of um, the opportunity to see women in those positions has just kind of normalized it for me and I've had those aspirations and I've been able to have the thought that, you know, I could be me in those positions in the future or it could be in, you know, in university or something like that. So having the opportunity to do that has really increased kind of the idea that it's normal to have women in those positions and I think that's also an incredible thing. One thing that I think the data is showing is that there is a difference in the maturity levels of boys and girls. Um, and I think we can see in a lot of classes, at least a lot of the classes that I've been in, is that you sit 
it's a clear distinction between like the boys and the girls and there isn't a lot of crossover between them and I think it's kind of sad because then you don't have like that male or female influences often at least like that personal friend relationship and I also think a notable thing is um, there are a lot of guy teachers I don't have a single female teacher and I think that's you know that's perpetuating the role that like the male is the leader um, and I I don't have female teachers. I don't really know how, the different teaching styles that they would have, um, which is kind of sad because I'm being given the male perspective. Um, yeah, I was actually reflecting about this and I didn't notice until I think I was thinking about this panel. I have two female teachers, but I see them six out of, I think 35 or 36 hours a week, not 100% sure. But that's not quite right. None of my AP classes are taught by women, which is also a little bit concerning. Because at the end, if you don't see someone like you in those positions, it will eventually subconsciously affect you, how you see your ability to have those same positions. So I think that's a little sad. And it's not been this big, there's not been this large of a disparity for years, so I don't know what happened in 11th grade that we have so little female teachers. Um, but yeah, also to clear divisions in the classroom. I think it's really improved in 11th grade that I think there's a lot more community and there's a lot more equality. But in my AP United States history classroom, for example, front row is girls, back rows are guys. And that kind of, the fact that we don't mix a lot is concerning. I, I designed it that way. I, um... <laughs> Can you guys, um, can, can two, two or three of you talk about this and then we'll get into our final question. So two more questions for the panel. Um, women's Week and Women's Day sort of intersects with a growing discussion around what's loosely being called uh, hashtag me too. Um, can you guys talk a little bit about sexual harassment in the hallways or the classrooms of the Kennedy School? I think it's real. Uh, I know it's real and I think it happens a lot more than people probably perceive it. Um, it is a personal struggle and it is something that every individual um, deals with in private, but it is, a, it is a huge thing to kind of cope with, especially while you're a student. Um, and I think whether that be rape or being catcalled on the street, most women have experienced that um, and it does affect you in some way. Um, and just to be careful and be mindful, not only aware, but mindful of what you're saying um, and how you're treating women and communicating with them about that topic is really important. Um, yeah, I think it's a lot, like it's a very big problem that a lot of, especially boys don't realize how big of a problem it is. Like in my experience, when I try to talk to boys about anything like that, they say that it's like, not really a thing anymore, but when I talk to girls, it's like every girl that I've talked to has had an experience from like something small or like something really big and traumatizing. And I think it's important for boys to know that it is a big problem. As it relates to sexual harassment in Berlin um, in general, I, I mean, catcalling is of course an issue especially like in the summer months when you're wearing you know, like shorts and tank tops, it's just, it's gross. Um, you don't let it get to your head as much, but you still do feel this like internal pressure to like cover up. 
Um, but I also know that in clubs, one of my friends, um, she was going to a club and she was like, basically like thrown down the stairs because she was being pushy or she was just trying to like get her um, opinion known to like a very mean bouncer. Um, and also within the club, you can't go by yourself. Like you can't go without a man because then you're suddenly seen as available. I think a problem that I've experienced um, more abroad actually um, when I go to France is that when my friends and I are catcalled or men start talking to us in an uncomfortable way, um, women often feel very hesitant to say no because we're never taught um, that. We're always taught to be kind to others. We're taught to be open and conversational. And um, I think we should teach girls to say no. I'd just like to add one more quick thing. Um, this whole idea of a catcall being a compliment is absolutely ridiculous. And also the idea that women often don't feel like they have the power to say no or have the power to talk back to people. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that it's incredibly scary to be catcalled because the the idea of actually saying no or trying to defend yourself comes with the idea of what the consequence will be. Because we are brought up with stories of women being raped at colleges and left behind a dumpster or women being, um, you know, catcalled or someone flirting with them and then the man actually doing something very physical or harmful to them, whether it's stabbing them or beating them up or something like that. And so even for someone like myself who has been doing a martial art for the past six years, I do not feel comfortable defending myself in that kind of a situation. And I think if men maybe understood that, and I think also some women who maybe haven't had the same experiences um, understood that it's not the idea that we we are unable to say no, it's the idea of the consequence that comes after that that is terrifying in those kind of situations. And thank you guys for being willing uh, to talk about it. I'm gonna ask you uh, one more question, and after I do, I'm gonna ask those of you who have questions um, to, to, to line up along the stairs. Here's the question. Uh, like a lot of your classmates came to this discussion, you know, pretty, pretty um, thoughtful on these matters. Um, and they're complicated. Uh, others, others haven't. Uh, some, so there's a varying range of experiences in the audience. Um, what, what's the one thing you really want your audience here to carefully consider when it comes to issues that young women face at JFK in Berlin? So, which is to say, your your parting thoughts before we turn to questions, each in turn. Um, so I guess one of the things that is important to realize is that you don't have to like go out of your way or make a huge change to your life to actually contribute a lot. Um, I guess this idea kind of goes with any movement or any change you'd like to make on a larger scale is that the smallest contributions or the smallest changes and actions that we do as individuals can have a large impact on other people. Um, so just thinking about that and maybe just reflect something that you've done that might have contributed to this problem and changing that and just being open and aware of this. It doesn't have to be a huge burden um, in your life to actually improve the lives of all of these women. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I don't have that much to say, but I would just like to remind you guys that we're not quite there yet. And I know that although the school isn't completely sheltered, um, there's places in the world that have it a lot worse than us. And I think 
once we leave the school, we might be faced with harsh realities. So I ask you to, if you are a feminist, just kind of bring that out into the world and to keep thinking about it. Yeah, and to think about if you're not a feminist, why that is, um, and whether that is something you can get over or you can read about or think about and ask about. Um, have conversations with your friends, even if it seems like that won't ever happen or that's uncool. Um, don't be afraid to ask or talk about it with your teachers or your classes. Um, I think being aware and mindful you know, to spread that, you really need to communicate with people and share your stories or your beliefs um, and try to come to some kind of common ground. Whilst this is a panel about women's experiences, I want you to remember that gender equality will benefit us all. Um, it's not just women who are um, boxed into cages by stereotypes. Men are affected by this, transgender people, non-binary individuals. Um, and I think that if we rid ourselves of these um, very clear ideas of what it means to be female, what it means to be male, um, if we just let people be themselves, we'll all be so much freer. Um, I think this is for everyone. Um, it's really important to acknowledge that everybody has gendered bias and that I think the first step to creating a more open and tolerant society is to acknowledge that and to actively censor yourself when you think something that's obviously inspired by some kind of prejudice that you have. I think we should all strive to be as open-minded as possible, and that means not discriminating against any personality. Um, and I think there would be a lot less inequality if we weren't considering, considering gender in our interactions. I think we should um, be open to everyone for honestly a, a more meaningful life and fun. Okay, uh, so thank you guys for being panelists and for talking to us today. Uh, I have a question. How do you guys think being a daughter, so parenting, has influenced like your development as a woman? Um, we were talking about how like boys are sometimes seen as more immature, but there's arguably another side when you're a daughter, how you're brought up and what restrictions you might have. Um, I think, sorry. Um, I think daughters are... Um, often raised differently and seen as different, um, having different traits that make them useful in um, certain ways to the family. Like, and I think most girls can probably um, see themselves in this idea that they are more of, they carry more of the emotional labor in the family and they have to be there for the other people in their family emotionally, whereas men and sons are more closed off um, I also agree that it does still have an effect on people. I know my parents are, I have a bro an older brother, um, are definitely like try to be fair and are very open-minded in that regard and haven't tried to fit us into any gender rules specifically um, with their intent in parenting. But I do recognize that in, in some things where uh, I get comments on the clothes that I wear or the way that I, if I do makeup, then my dad will comment on that. And those kind of things that are my choice and my expression that I do because I want to um, are commented on, and those things don't occur with my male sibling. So I, and I, and in a way, I, I always try and justify that it's my choice and I'm not doing it because society expects it of me or because society um, has told me that 
you know, this is maybe how you should dress, that I have a choice in that. Uh, but I always feel this kind of underlying shame that I should consider what other people think of me when I choose what I wear, which in and of itself is just not what you should be thinking of. But society still kind of makes it um, part of the discussion, which I think it shouldn't be anymore. Um, so I actually had a different question, but in light of the previous questioner, um, I would like to ask a different one. So what panelist number six just said, building off of that and parenting and being a daughter, how do you think that um, the like women and girls being victimized in society is being like, you know, on the street, like they're more likely to experience daily violence because they're a woman? How do you think parents should deal with that? And how do you think that um, if like this whole thing about like being stricter with girls, like what you said with the makeup or with the clothes or with going out, in what way or like how parents can ensure that their children are safe as like a daughter um, because of ch women, girls being more victimized. Um, so I do think that parents should teach all of their children to be careful, but I think that if we change the emphasis of, from how women should act in society to be safe to how men should act in society to to ensure the safety of women and to be respectful, then we wouldn't have this issue anymore. That it shouldn't be mothers sitting down their daughters and teaching them how to dress and how to act and how to use their keys when they're coming home if someone attacks them to how men should be respectful, um, then I think that would make a huge change. And also not just teaching um, males not to be violent towards women and to be respectful. Um, I think that sort of, um, I mean, that implies that you consider that men would be violent otherwise, but also teaching males that they can be um, helpful bystanders and um, if they witness um, someone else be violent towards a female or anyone else, um, they should act. Uh, as somebody who's always felt like safe at JFK, um, and who's heard stories about how much worse it is at other schools. I just wanted to ask if you guys also consider JFK well on its way to be completely equal or if there's still a lot of work we need to do. Um, I think JFK is definitely ahead of the game, at least compared to other Berlin schools. But I don't, I don't think th there's only so much a school can do and it's the students that are the problem. I agree, I think that we've all been raised with these um, sexist social norms and we are all thus affected by them even if we may, or many of us may believe in gender equality. Um, and I think the comments that I often receive when I speak about my activism, when I post something on social media um, by other students, for instance, um, that question my feminism, that say that we've already achieved gender equality, that men are more discriminated discriminated against than women, so and so on and so forth. They the, just attest to um, how we are not entirely equal yet. Um, the topic of people identifying as feminists came up earlier, and I was wondering how you would respond to people who say they don't identify as feminist because they say it's been taken care of in the West. Okay, well, if I understand your question correctly, I think I feel with those people because although I go to these protests to show my support, um, I largely think that the work has been done for me 
um, in regards to women empowerment. And so, although I, I don't blame them for not identifying as feminists, I think they should still try their hardest to advocate um, for equality when the time comes that it's necessary. Well, I think that um, until everyone is equal everywhere in the world, there's still a reason to have um, feminism. And just because you don't seem to be experiencing any problems, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take any action. Furthermore, we have not achieved gender equality in the West either. Um, there are discriminatory practices. Just look at um, the ratio of females to males in parliament and positions of power in the industry. Um, look at the gender wage gap. I think that those factors all attest to that there's not gender equality. Uh, yeah, I definitely don't think there's gender equality yet. We just came out of the Me Too movement, which showed that men are still s systematically using power to take control of women or force women into things. So that's an indicator that we're not there yet. So I would just prompt some questions. Um, my issue, no, my question, uh, <laughs> sorry, my question relates to the whole issue of abortion, and I want to ask whether uh, you guys, as um, you've identified as feminists, whether you believe that the freedom of choice and women's empowerment uh, are both connected and they rely on each other. I would say that they're definitely connected because uh, a big part of the discussion around the freedom of choice and abortion is whether or not the woman has the freedom to make that choice. And um, I can't speak explicitly very well on this topic because it's not something that has affected me. And even though we've had discussions about this in class and other forums, uh, there, there are a lot more people that have uh, yeah, have more kind of information on it. My two cents would be that if, uh, in, especially in cases where you're restricting the access to this kind of, uh, these facilities, for example, in the US, you're limiting um, people who have been unjustly made to carry a child, their ability to, to get rid of it or where it might actually severely affect their health or their well-being um, or they're not in the financial or economical or social position to have a child. I think just by saying that you're, uh, you're saving the life of a being um, isn't enough to, to warrant shutting down abortion centers and limiting that access for women, especially um, if you take the example of the US, if you're basing an entire country on the notions of freedom and choice, uh, then you need to make that available to everyone in those kind of situations, so yeah. How do you think being trans, either like a trans woman or a trans man or non-binary would affect or play into these different issues that you've brought up? I think whatever you identify as, um, you should stand behind that movement. You are included in that. Um, so if you identify as a woman, um, then you should have, you should um, be treated the exact same um, as if you're born a woman. I think there's no difference. And I think we're all fighting for the same thing. Uh, and there's power in that. And I'd hope that it doesn't really matter um, as long as you are kind of going um, out and protesting and trying to make a change for women um, in the world. Well, yeah, I think feminism just
by definition should be intersectional. But I also think that um, celebrating differences and acknowledging differences is important. I think Audre Lorde wrote like a whole essay about how to say that we are all the same is like an injustice to people who are different. And there is, I think, a difference in experience between trans women and women, but that does not mean that trans women aren't women. It just means that the same way that like um, black people experience the world differently than white people, but like those differences I think are very important and should be, I think, explored rather than ignored. Do you think that you're doing justice to, you know, the whole notions of like inclusivity and intersectionality when you have a panel made up completely of six cis white females? Uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I also agree with panelists too. Um, I think that um, in order to give a more full picture of what women's experiences are like, we should have just a lot more diversity here. Um, and I think that's something that could be improved upon in the future. I would also say that we don't necessarily have a great representation of everyone who's affected by this. We're also all either 11th or 12th graders, and that doesn't really include the perspective of anyone older or younger than us and their different um, views on the topic. But the, the, I, the fact of the matter is that we are actually having this discussion in this panel and that you are all listening to us, and hopefully other people through the podcast will as well, and that if we establish this as a realm for discussion and a realm for having these conversations, then we are able to, in the future, improve upon our diversity and the stuff that we are able to contribute to the movement and also to just facilitating learning and conversation. Um, so all but one of you at the beginning said that you identify as feminist and that if people fight for equality, they are as well, and if boys aren't, it's because they're uneducated. But I find that false in the sense that there is, outside of our bubble that is the school, there is like a negative connotation still to the word feminist. Um, and I'm wondering if, first of all, if you agree with me and what you can do to combat that. I think I touched upon this earlier. There's definitely a negative connotation. And um, as I mentioned, I think it's symptomatic of just the perception of the movement as a whole. Why should there be so much controversy around just a term when you don't fight about whether or not someone should be called a teacher or um, if someone is, I don't know, um, something else that you can look up in a dictionary. Um, and I, I think that there is some, some limit to who should identify as a feminist um, if someone is, um, just believes in female supremacy or in male supremacy and they, they choose to identify as a feminist. I don't think that's accurate, but I think that we should more embrace the term. So look, most of our audience today are, you know, guys are coming from your history and your literature classes, and I guess uh, we all encourage you as you march through the canon of literature and, and history, uh, we hope that you'll put today's discussion into a broader context. I think all reasonable, decent people here uh, know how far women have come, um, even in, in my short lifetime. Um, but we also hope that you appreciate um, the gain, that the gains that women have made are a result of dialogues like these. Um, so if I may, can uh, we please first offer a round of applause for the organizers.
thanks to uh, Clara and Ms. Cup for organizing. Um, thank you guys for engaging with us. Uh, we hope that the perspectives that you heard today you bring back to your classrooms and to your dinner tables. Have a great day, guys.